This episode is supported by Seedlip, the world's first distilled non-alcoholic spirit. Crafted without alcohol, sugar, or calories, Seedlip spirits solve the dilemma of what to drink when you're not drinking, whether it's for the night, the month, or forever. Because as a non-drinker, it never feels great when your only options are water, soda, or sugary mocktails. So now you can skip the booze without feeling left out when it comes to your social life. So whether you prefer punchy citrus flavors, aromatic spices, or savory herbs, Seedlip offers a drink for every type of drinker. It's crafted using a bespoke process, including traditional copper distillation of botanicals. And each of Seedlip's three variants, which are Spice 94, Garden 108, and Grove 42, are alcohol-free and have their own unique flavors, which pair so perfectly with just a splash of tonic. But they can also be used to make more complex cocktails, and you'll find those in Seedlip Cocktail Book or on their Instagram account at Seedlip underscore. Or NA. So head on over to seedlipdrinks.com or .ca and use the promo code thisfamilytree10 for 10% off your favorite non-alcoholic spirit. They're available in Canada and in the US and now at LCBO stores in Ontario. Again, that is seedlipdrinks.com and thisfamilytree10. Hello everyone, I'm Alex and I'm here with my husband Shane. We are so glad that you could join us for happy hour on This Family Tree Podcast episode 136. How's it going, Alex? Oh, I've been better. I threw up today because I was coughing so much. So I feel a little, do I sound weird? Well, a simple fine would suffice. I was just, it's the perfunctory how you doing. I, <laughs> yeah, sorry. You barfed. Okay. But I barfed. <laughs> I, also, I also can't hear very well. That's the other thing. So my uh, volume control is not great. So if I'm yelling at you this episode, Shane, it's not because I'm yelling at you probably. It's just because I, I can't hear how loud I'm talking. There's a lot going on today but we're we're powering through and going to give you the listeners a really good podcast it's going to be great uh we have an interview on this podcast that i am absolutely in love with i speak to jacqueline hooten and she is a a personal trainer for women in their 50s and 60s and helps them to just keep their bodies healthy and moving properly, you know, as they age. Now, Alex, if you're a woman who's not in their 50s or 60s, what would be the benefit of listening to this episode? Okay, well, this is because we get into one of my favorite topics, which is what I talk about a lot lately, gendered ageism, what it's like to age and how you can age with a positive mindset and how important that all is to start doing when you're young because you don't want to be scared of your age like frick I'm 33 I start you start aging when you're in your 20s you know what I mean in certain ways and it's just best to get a grip on it now and Jacqueline and I just discuss that and discuss how women are made to feel by aging and how it's perceived by people and how it's perceived by the industry and then ourselves because of all that anyway it's a real great talk, and I, I hope you guys enjoy it. But Jacqueline's fantastic. No, this sounds amazing. I actually procured this guest. You did. I told her that, too, in the interview. I was like, oh, yeah, my husband found you and said I should interview you. And then I was like, oh, that might come off a little weird, and she kind of didn't know what to say. So I was like, yeah, we were looking for people, and he knows that I, I'm into what you do and blah, blah, blah. I, I think I smoothed it I'm out. I'm always looking for older, attractive women on Instagram, and this one just <laughs> happened to fit the podcast so <laughs> she is very attractive um but shane we do have a seed lip bevy tonight so Ooh, let's do a little toast this is good for me i'm off the booze till late into the summer so we're doing seed lip spice 94 and some cream soda sparkling water because it's just like all creamy spicy i don't know it's nice isn't it yeah you ignored me off the booze comment no i was gonna get into that now 
Oh, okay. Because you're you're not going to be off the booze with me. Because when I mentioned it, you went, fine, I'll just drink alone. <laughs> Which I don't think was the most supportive move. I was I was trying to prove a point. There was something else going oh, on that, that you're morning. you're not supportive? Point no. proven. Shane, there was something else going on that morning. And this was like several weeks ago. So I don't even know what was going on. But I was mad at something else. Oh. And I was taking it out on that statement. But... That's uh, very uncharacteristic of you, Alex. (laughs) (laughs) I've only had, what, two glasses of wine since then. They both happened in the same evening. And I think I'm going to have a couple drinks next week. You and I are actually going away with my family, and not just my immediate family, but my extended family, for three nights or so. And I'll probably have, you know, some drinks up there. But here's the thing with drinking with you and I, like... Before we had kids, we'd come home from work in the day and you and I would have a couple glasses. We'd definitely have one. Bottle You know what up. I mean? Yeah. But well, are, like how young are we talking here? Okay. In our dating life, we oh, do bottles. Dear. Yes. But then in our married life before kids, we definitely do a glass, possibly a couple glasses every night. Every night? When did we do that? When we were living in our old house. We go through phases. We do go through we phases. We used to eat... Like two extra large pizzas every Friday night, we, one each. Our order was an extra large each and then a medium or a small to share of a different flavor. <laughs> that's How did we do that? I how don't know what's do, going on. You and I share one large now and that's it. Humans are fascinating people because they can get used to anything. Yeah. And you don't even think it's weird because your body's just used to it. Well, I think we're very adaptive too, though. I, you Humans and I are. specifically. Humans, though, too. I. 100%. But I think like you and I go through more, um, I think, intense phases than other people I know. You know what I mean? Like you and I will go through an intense phase of working out, eating really healthy and then doing the total opposite. But usually we're somewhere in the middle and and I'm very comfortable with how we live. But yeah, no, I'm I'm pretty much not drinking with you. And it feels great. Like, I feel yeah. amazing. No pressure. Do what you want. All I'm saying is the one night you did choose to drink those two glasses of wine, not that I was there to count because <laughs> you were off on your own. You skipped the podcast. You came home. Your eyes were bugging out. Okay. My contacts were like a month old. Okay. They're replaced now. Look at my eyes now. They're nice. Thank you. Thank you. And I have 2020 vision again. But I just had a coughing fit. I was about to say that I was feeling real good. My eyes are normal. <laughs> you can just, <laughs> just, Erica can cut out the coughing without addressing it, but I guess we have to address it. Alex had a coughing fit. I had a coughing fit. But listen, while we're on the topic of drinking a little bit, okay, mm-hmm. I want to talk to you because we spoke last week about how you and I were recently in Niagara Falls at the Pillar and Post. And I can't remember if we touched on it in the podcast, if we cut it out, uh, that a couple tried to buy us drinks the one night. Yes. And the bartender, who was a questionable bartender. He was young. He was a, he had an odd vibe. A really odd vibe. You couldn't vibe. read him, really. So he told the woman who wanted to buy me a drink that he wasn't going to serve me anymore. Shane and I, we got to paint this picture a little bit. Shane and I were at the pool for about, what, seven hours. And in that time, we had about seven drinks, like one drink an hour, right? So we're feeling good, but we were not off any rocker. No, but if I had to say who was more off the rocker, not that either of us were, it would be you. I'm just louder and more excitable. 
and you, you're smaller than me. So it's if we're both having seven drinks, those seven drinks over seven hours are going to metabolize differently with you at a different rate. I was eating lots of buffalo cauliflower bites. and Alex, we had four buffalo cauliflower bites each. Yeah. That's not and, a lot. Okay. I'm not, I'm not saying you were worthy of being cut off, but you weren't totally normal. No, I was excitable. I was like having fun, talking to people, hanging out with you. We were in bathing suits. Everything was feeling good. You know what I mean? Yeah. Sometimes you, your personality, I feel like you could be cut off before you even have a drink. I 100, if I walked into a bar now, if I was just feeling good, I could get cut off You'd be like, right it's my away. contacts. <laughs> but listen, I want to know. Would you tell me, because we were talking about it that night and you and I were like, what? That's preposterous. But we we came to the agreement that the bartender was just lazy because he was. Yeah, but we were a bunch of stuff was running through our mind because we forgot some things that happened. The more we thought about it, we were kind of forgetting certain moments. And we're like, what are we doing? We couldn't even. We're like, what did we do? But I don't think we did anything. We didn't. No. Yeah, but it it de- and then we were in the pool the next day, and it felt like you know when you're paranoid, it feels like things are going on that aren't obviously. Yeah. So it felt like everyone was looking at us, and we're in the pool the next day, and it's just us, <laughs> and each splash is being heard, and we feel like we're being watched by all the bartenders if we drink. Yes, and it felt like a fee- like it felt like we were high on some substance like it was weird Truman show esque. it's like where everybody was acting around us and it's like anytime somebody spoke to another person it could have been a husband just telling his wife he loved her it felt like they were talking about us you're like they're talking about us yeah the the, the, uh the women who hand us the towels too (laughs) they didn't just hand us a towel they they go you can only have one towel today (laughs) we're like okay like to share no each you can only have one each i'm like okay and then all I can think is, did we take an abundance of towels yesterday and now we're being penalized for it? So it was it was humiliating. And then we were scared to order a drink. So we just went back to our rooms and drank half a bottle of wine. So then if we ordered a White Claw, we could just feel our normal, typical buzz without feeling like we were being judged. But then like, you know, midway through the afternoon, after Shane and I have spent so much time being paranoid and at ease. The woman beside us is like, did you guys find it weird that they made a point to say that you could only get one towel today? And there was just, I mean, off my shoulders Mm -hmm. anyways, like a huge, huge relief. But did you notice that woman had cocaine all over her nose? (laughs) There was two wild ones at the Killer and Post. Pretty sure she was like pregnant. That's what made it even worse. (laughs) Get out of here. No, that's Um, bad for the kid. No crap, Shane. Sorry, I don't know how... (laughs) I don't know how to respond to jokes right now. My brain is still... No, crap is a good way. <laughs> a little chuckle helps. But listen, would you tell me if I was being unruly? Um, you're Yeah, but your unruly is different. It's just, I don't know. It's so jovial. It's just, it's too jovial. It's inappropriately jovial. That's, I laugh too hard at jokes. And you're just, I don't know. Too kissy? Yeah, you want to make out too much. And yeah, I feel like... Alcohol makes you more jovial, but you with three drinks is like a lot of people how they be with six or seven. Well, yeah, because I, I I feel like 
the real jovial part of me who just wants to laugh and dance and kiss is just always, just, you know, it's like hidden behind my everyday mm-hmm. face. Very thin facade. It's an interesting personality you have, Alex. Okay, that brings me actually to a question that I was going to save for later. Ooh, this is going to be an insult. I can tell the way no. you're looking at me. No, it's actually not. So this was going to be, I was saving this for like my, I had a couple of questions that were more date nighty, like our old podcast where you and I just asked each other fun questions. Hit me. What do you think? Because I, I mean, you're saying like I have a weird personality that's kind of unique. My question was, what do you think is your most unique quality or what makes you unique? Like if you're trying to sell yourself to somebody else to date, what makes you unique? Selling myself to someone else to date? Unique in a positive way. I just didn't want you to take a negative. I would think that... I don't know. I, I like to keep things fun and exciting and I like to always I like to always ha- have something to look forward to with my partner or me or me to be doing something exciting that could rub off on the other person and interest them maybe and feel like their lives are less stuck in a cog or a machine or something. Because, so you know, life can be very repetitive. Oh, my God. Yeah. So I like goals and and obviously with the podcast and our social media, there's always a goal there. Like, oh, let's get to X amount of followers. But in life, I like goals too. Like, oh, I can't wait to go to that basketball game or something. And I always like to have a dangling carrot in the future to do that's hopefully a fun thing. And look, do we have a carrot right now? Well, right now I'm in the midst of doing a sketch show. So to me, by you being near it, it's kind of exciting. It's like, oh, my partner's doing something cool. And then at the end of that, it's this big release of, whoa, they did the show. I'm with the world's coolest guy <laughs> and the funniest, hopefully. Like, there's an erasure of any of the support that I'm giving you from home, a Shane, what? in that. An Ara- erasure. A what? <laughs> I'm saying this wrong. Erasure? Eraser. Erasure. Uh, like maybe. if you're erasing something, E R A S U R E. There's an erasure. I don't know, Alex. <laughs> I'm feeling paranoid right now. One of us is very mistaken on how to use whatever term you're trying to use. It's well, probably me. You no, know, it's probably me. I've never said the word aloud, I've only ever written it. Okay, can you t- put it in your phone and hand it to me? I want to no, no, see. No, no, no. I'm going to. You I'm gonna... used to have a problem with. Posthumous. You used to say posthumous. Okay, I was 26 and it was my first time, again, saying it out loud. I had only ever read it or written it. This happens to everyone and it's a cute thing to laugh at. Okay. Uh, what's the thing that you say when you... Oh, pronunciation. I'm going to type in pronunciation. I'm going to play it. Can you just it. show me the word to see if I can get it right just okay. by looking at it? And then let's do the pronunciation game. That word. Never seen that word before in my life. Get out of here. Shane, it's in so many articles. Well, I'm not reading a lot of articles, apparently. I haven't seen you touch a book since we got together, so. It's all on the phone, baby. All right, you ready? Yeah. How would you think it said? Erasure? That's what I said, right? Yes, I'm just questioning that it's a word. I'm not, the pronunciation. Okay, let's hear. Erasure. There you go. And what does it mean? It's like the, so... If you're okay, the way the context you used it in, you said that, you know, I'm doing this great show. And then by being near me and being kind of parallel to the show, then it's exciting for you. But then that's erasure of all the work that I'm doing to support you and to support the family while you 
take time away from the family to do the show and all of that. That's what that word means. Specifically that. Did you read an article where that word came up and you're like, ooh, I'm going to use that in a sentence. Did this happen recently? I've been reading books and articles with this word in it since I was in university. So you just, year seven of our relationship just dropped the bomb on me (laughs) on some idle Monday? Have I need, have, have we been through a situation before where I felt like something I was doing was possibly going to get erased? I don't, define the word in, in, read the definition because I feel like oh. now the definition might be wrong. Jeez Louise. Okay. Hold on. The definition I know is correct, you dingus. Let's hear it. Well, let me pull it up. Erasure. The removal of writing, recorded material, or data. The removal of all traces of something, obliteration, so, such as the erasure of prior history. Okay, so you really crowed that bar. You crowbarred that in because you were saying what I was insinuating was because I'm doing something fun or exciting, it's erasing everything you're doing in your life? No, by just saying that I was like only a part of it in the sense that I was like near you or your partner while you were doing it. That it was erasing part of your life? No, it's it's erasing what I'm doing to support you while you make the show and therefore support the show. I feel very much a part of the show. And that's exciting, right? <laughs> yeah, okay, good. Bottom line. So would you agree with my quality that I said was good about myself? Yes, yes. But I actually, self. okay, if we're looking for a carrot dangling, we need the courtside seats in Detroit. Is Kevin Durant going to play for the Raptors? I don't know. We, if he is, we need those seats yesterday. What if he isn't? We still need those seats. We got to feel like ballers. Well, that was an erasure style comment. (laughs) So, Shane and I want to, okay, we live in near Toronto, right? Tickets to go see a basketball game in Toronto are like billions of dollars. But if you go three hours away to Detroit. Where no one cares about their terrible team. No. Tickets are so freaking cheap. It's all Toronto fans there anyway. And you can get really close up seats for like the price of a midway seat in Toronto. Yeah. So we want to go and get courtside seats and make people pretend, think that we're like important. Yeah. I'll, the last time I sat courtside, which was very lucky three or four years ago, I was doing a show for Crave. So to promote it, <laughs> they wanted me to sit on the court and the idea was one of our announcers were going to say, hey, there's Shane Cunningham, one of the people in the new Crave show. But they're <laughs> supposed to do an on-air read when there's an appropriate break in play or a timeout. However, I thought it was they had to do the read. I didn't know it was somewhat optional. Right. So I decided to wear a tank top with gold <laughs> chains and and like this like stupid glasses and a hat or something. And they just saw my appearance and chose never to cut to me or do the read. <laughs> And and I didn't know what to do sitting courtside. So I'm like, I think rich people eat like nice meals courtside, not just nachos. So I got this Yorkshire pudding with gravy and and all these like English foods and meats. And I was covered in gravy. I'm a very messy eater. All of a sudden the ball comes towards me and I'm about to get gravy all over the ball. My friend Mike, who's beside me, dives, gets the ball and hands it to Pascal Siakam. But I could have been in the most uncomfortable position ever. <laughs> Imagine. Because they would have to stop play, clean the ball. Jake, I might be ejected. It, the gravy would have gone way more places than just the ball. You would have gotten gravy on Pascal, who's one of our big players. Like the gravy would have gone everywhere. And just I'm wearing gold chains. I look so. Do you regret that move? No. There was this woman sitting next to me, though, and she was very snooty. You could tell she was very wealthy. 
And I'm just leaning forward like everyone does. Everyone leans forward, but she's making a big to do like I'm this, you know, SoundCloud rapper or something <laughs> who's just ruining her time. She's like, excuse me, can you sit back, please? And uh, I was so glad that I did that because they called out Arkells, my mm-hmm. other friends who were obviously more famous, but didn't have as good seats. And I was interacting with Arkells. So they they were thinking, oh, maybe this guy is a really big deal. Yeah. But yeah, that was a good courtside experience, and I'd like to relive it in Detroit with affordable tickets that we could buy. And with a with a wife beside you would yeah. be fun. Yeah, wife beside me. Is <laughs> um, okay, the next. Oh, wait, I'll, wait. I'll, what? What's your good qualities? Sell me. Unique. It's not just good qualities, but what makes you unique. I think what makes me unique is that I'm very multifaceted, and I'm like. Very, and I've told you this before, I'm very mediocre, but at lots of things. So I can take part in basically anything under the sun and I'll be okay at it. So like I'm, I'm so happy and so game for absolutely anything you throw at me because I'm down. Like I can kind of golf. I can kind of play tennis. I can kind of play basketball. I can kind of knit. I can kind of cook. I can kind of play cards. Yep. You know what I mean? And it's more... Sorry, it's less that you're able to do those things competently and more that you're willing to enthusiastically get thrown into any situation, which makes it very good for me who lives more in this specific, how do I say specific? Specific. Did I do that right? (laughs) You're saying erasure. I can't say specific. Words words are just turning into mush. So I live more in a uh, specific box. (laughs) And since you're able to do anything, it's good that you know, we can get along because yeah. otherwise it would be hard. No, Although it's like, you, you do struggle watching basketball. No, Shane, I struggle with watching anything at night. It's not basketball. It's literally anything except for the documentary we're currently watching, which is about basketball. The Last Dance is our second time watching it. Go watch it if you haven't. So good. Uh, Scotty Pippen, so hot. Like, Hotter than Jordan? As an old man. I'm talking old man, Scotty Pippen. Okay, I guess Jordan, yeah, he, Jordan wasn't in his finest form, I would say, because his eyes were like, something was Jaundiced up. or something. He, he used contacts, you know. <laughs> yeah, no. <laughs> no, Pippin looking fine. I was doing up so much reading on Pippin last night. Okay, after watching the doc, I went to bed. I was looking up Pip. And he is, what he, he, he was married to one of the housewives for like 20 years. Well, Recently got divorced. He's a single man. Oh my goodness. Yeah, just letting all the ladies out. I got a single cousin. Letting all the ladies out? Letting all the ladies what? know I'm... <laughs> okay. I thought this was an expression that... No. Letting them know. And then it was like, what would it be like to date somebody that old? Like, I wonder, like, if Shane and I ever got divorced, right? You're going to be a big superstar. We all know what happens. They leave their wives, blah, blah, blah. But, like, at that point, I might be in Hollywood, too, with you. And then... I'd be single in Hollywood and then I date Pip. And then it's like kind of nice that he's an older guy. He's not going to pressure me for kids. I like that he already has a nickname, <laughs> Pip. I've never heard anyone call him Pip, but I like that you have that nickname for him. Hey, we got It's a, a good nickname. I'm surprised you don't hear it. like Pip for three. He's my little Pip squeak. Okay. <laughs> he's he's like six, seven. Ripped I know. Body. I know. It's nice. And how old? I would say he's probably 56. Do you think that he would be a good second husband for me? Yeah, for sure. Pip would be great husband. Mm-hmm. The only thing 
he got a little butt hurt by the Last Dance documentary. So he's in this, he used to have this squeaky clean reputation, but now he's a little bit tarnished because he's saying like he was one of the, like the best player of all time and stuff. And Jordan wasn't that great. I'll tell him that just to feed his ego if he wants to be my second Let's husband. See. So what are you guessing his age is? What, 58. Oh, he's 56. Yeah. Nice, Shane. Thank you. But what That's I was going good. to say before we got into Pip was your weirdest talent is, and I mean this seriously, this isn't a joke, your ability to not watch the most interesting moment in a movie, <laughs> basketball game, and you find the best <laughs> moment to look at your nails, look away. Even It's not even a phone. It's not like you're tethered to your phone and you look, you just space out at weird moments or take a nap for 15 seconds inexplicably i'll be like oh look at that oh my goodness and you'll go yeah go, <laughs> and then i know just by your reaction yeah oh you saw that yes i did see that that was in well, well was it funny or dramatic alex hmm funny no it was very heart-wrenching Ooh. so i I've, how does that come about i get sleepy babe it's so easy it's so simple <laughs> but sometimes you're not sleeping sometimes you're actually just looking away at your nails I know it's to keep me awake. I, I I need to have little coping things to keep me awake. If I am feeling awake and I'm watching something at night, I just want to decompress. So I want both screens. I want the TV mm-hmm. screen. I want my cell phone screen. I want to do it all. Just turn off my brain. But then if I'm trying to focus on a movie, on a game, on something, after 7 p.m., I get tired. Some nights are worse than others. I just get so freaking tired. What is the obsession with looking, glancing, a quick glance at the nails? What is that? Is that compulsive? Yes, it's compulsive. I do it all the time, um, constantly. And I know when I'm getting really anxious or if I have a lot of anxiety, if I'm feeling stressed out, because then it's like very constant. Mm -hmm. But it is like a habit. It started when I was in my early 20s, that particular tick. I think everybody's got their own ticks, but yeah. This one started in my early 20s when lupus started really affecting me because I would, like, my fingers started swelling and my knuckles started really swelling really bad. Yeah. That's one of the first things I noticed about you, too, was your chubby, chubby fingers. fingers. And Mark Myers and I, not to have a huge digression <laughs> here, but Mark Myers were editing the, um, what was the music video you were in? Uh, where are you going? Where are you going video. And at the end, it freeze frames. And we just freeze framed it and we looked at your hands and I was like, look at her chubby little fingers. Shane, that was right in, in the middle of my lupus yeah, flare up though. But we just started laughing and she, he's like, yeah, like, you know, it was just a mild teasing. Yeah. What? Do they look chubby? They don't look that chubby now. No, they're just like stumps. They're not, you know. <laughs> stumps. But yeah. uh, no, it was in the middle of a lupus flare up. And when I get flare ups because of my rheumatoid arthritis, my fingers get really swollen. So if I'm experiencing hand pain or finger pain, which I am right now, like I'm going through a weird flare up, I'm obsessed with checking. Mm -hmm. And then that obsession with checking to see how swollen I am just turn into a constant kind of hand check. So when Kawhi Leonard hits the shot. and I if saw you're, that. If you're from Toronto, you know what I am. Because I showed it to you on my phone. No, I was watching it with you during the freaking game, Shane. Cut me a break here. Okay. But <laughs> moments like that, will you admit yeah. moments similar yeah, to that? You are you have like almost a 90% ratio of missing, right? I also feel like you intentionally try to find moments that were super great that I just happened to be missing because you knew I wasn't looking. Because I, I have found I found great moments and I've been like, oh, Shane didn't see that. 
That's not true. I'm Baloney. glued to the screen. I'm Baloney. obsessed with the screen. So the idea that I would be glancing at you and knowing what you're doing is ridiculous. Yeah, I think you I think you know. I think you wish I was that into checking it out, but I genuinely want to have a experience where we're both in it together. And so many times I'm let down that I've had to let go of series watching together. I know if we start a series, odds are you're not going to see it through. Okay, we've seen some great series together. Fleabag Amazing. Six episodes. Very short series. <laughs> it came out with season two. I can't wait to see if you can fill that hand of yours because she's okay. got one finger up. All right, all right. It's a chubby little thumb, actually. <laughs> bag. Yeah. The um, what was that comedy show we watched when I was pregnant? Right about to give birth. Wait, we're going back. Which which pregnancy? Lucy. Lucy. We're going back four years. That's your second one. I can't watch that many shows. Oh, um, yeah, on DVD, Larry Sanders. Larry Sanders. That was show. a go to bed show. Doesn't matter. We still watch it and pay attention, Shane. Sometimes we okay. rewatched Seinfeld. Seinfeld. Shit's Creek. Shit's Creek. We got into during the mm-hmm. pandemic. Lots of documentaries, but we're only sticking to series. Tiger King. Oh, Squid Games. Tiger King is a, like a three or four episode series. Squid Game. Okay. I'm talking about like a madman type thing I could never get into with you. No. And I watched, you know what? Here's the thing. When things get too, like I stopped Sheen. You know I like Outlander. Mm-hmm. There, I, half the season's been out since like February and I still haven't finished it because it was getting too depressing and nothing was like happy and fun anymore. So I stopped watching it. Okay. Well, we're getting deep into here and I think my battery's running out too. So we should get to our interview with whom again? Our interview with Jacqueline Hooten. Okay, but before that, let's let everyone know who we are supported by. We are supported by Bravado Designs, who in turn supports me very well. This is the only bra I will ever do a promo read for. It's the best. Honestly, Bravado Designs, I got into them when I was nursing Lucy. Shane brought one home for me. It was essentially life-changing. It was the only thing I could wear on my chapped nipples. I know. And it made your mood much better. And when your nipples weren't chapped, I found that my life was better. Soothed nipples, happy wife. True. I mean, happy life. Yeah. There you go. Uh, And now what is very exciting is that Bravado Designs, they are not just in the nursing bra game anymore. What? They have an everyday collection. So these are bras with no clips. They're not just for nursing mothers. They are for anybody with boobs. And they are the same amazing support and comfort that you fell in love with. And they look great under a t-shirt. So you can get the nursing bras at bravadodesigns.com or you can head to the Canadian website for access to the everyday collection at ca.bravadodesigns.com. But regardless of which website you go to, use the promo code thisfamilytree20 for 20% off your order. That is huge bang for your buck. Again, that is bravadodesigns.com and thisfamilytree20. But we are also supported by... True Earth. If you listen to the podcast, you know that Shane and I, we're trying to be tree huggers. Hey, I don't think that term is still appropriate. I think it is. And we're trying to, you know, what I mean to say is reduce our environmental footprint. Okay. You only get one planet, people. As far as I know, we could move to Mars. That could be incorrect. (laughs) If Elon has anything to say about it. But one way that we are trying to reduce our environmental footprint is by eliminating the plastics we use in this household because it's it's way too much. It's way too much. Yeah. No single use, no double use. You got to be at least a thousand use plastic to even (laughs) 
step foot in this house. Shane's got Michael Jordan level standards for our products, but that's okay because this one definitely lives up to this. We discovered True Earth laundry detergent like a year ago, and we have not looked back. So the detergent comes in pre-measured soluble strips that you simply rip apart and you just toss them in the machine. Mm. It is so easy. And the best part, there's no plastic. We meet Shane's standards. The packaging is so compact, it's drastically changed the look of the laundry room. It's it's like Taj Mahal in there. <laughs> so as a family with two young kids who have like super bad skin, very eczema prone, we typically opt for the baby detergent. It's fragrance-free, gentle on everyone's skin, and it's still so tough on dirt. But Shane and I have recently fallen in love with the new Lilac Breeze scent. Like Shane, are you sniffing your clothes after I hang them up? I guess. I don't really want to talk about it. (laughs) Sorry to put you out there. But you need to check it out. You're going to love this product. Please take my word for it. So you can check out the True Worth detergent and either buy, you know, one time shipment or get a subscription at true.earth. And if you use the promo code thisfamilytree10, you're getting 10% off your order. That's either your one-time order or your entire subscription. So that is a great value. Again, that is true.earth and this family tree 10. And now let's get to our interview with Jacqueline. Thank you so much for joining me on This Family Tree podcast. My husband found your account. We were looking, like I just, I love following women who kind of fight against ageism and just talk about living your best life, your best self. And I was in a rut. So we were both trying to look for accounts on the couch one day that talked about those things. And he came across yours and I've been following you since. And I just, I absolutely love it. So I know you're a coach and you work with women in their 50s and 60s. And has your background always been in fitness or were you doing something else prior? Well, yes, more or less, to be honest, although I've I've got five children. So when I um, had my first son, who's 33 now, I I was working in store management in a a big department store, chain of stores basically in the UK. And at that time, you know, working part time or childcare, the whole issues around that back in the UK, back 33 years ago, is really different. You were either all in or all out. So I left work, basically, to be a stay-at-home mum. However, that didn't last terribly long because I then trained to be an antenatal teacher. So in the UK, we have something called the National Childbirth Trust. And um, I trained to be a teacher and I was delivering those classes. And that kind of got me very interested in empowering women to make informed choices about their health. It wasn't sort of pro or anti-hospitalisation or home births. It was about giving women the tools and the information in order to make their own choices. And so that kind of developed on from there because, you know, it was very much about health and and understanding what our bodies are going through and having that awareness. And certainly when it comes to things like childbirth and pain, it's kind of having that, yes, Having that, um, you know, what's normal pain, what's abnormal, and and that that whole kind of thing. I guess that's where my ignited my interest in the body. But in addition to that, sort of alongside that was the birth of my son, and feeling like very much like I'm responsible for this small person now for the rest of my life, and I have to be as healthy as possible for my son for the rest of my life. 
And I was 26 when I had him. And I was 40 when I had my youngest um, son, who's now 19. And I felt I had as much of a responsibility to be healthy for my baby when I was 40 and that child as I did when I was 26. So sort of easier, if you like, to be healthy at 26. Uh, Less lifestyle things have impacted us. But that felt even more important in a way because I was aware that, I mean, he's 19 now, so he's not, he's still at university, he's not really off my hands. <laughs> but I, you know, I was aware that I needed to be good for him for at least 20 years beyond 40 mm-hmm. and beyond that. So I kind of, that's perhaps a bit of a long-winded answer to that. But yes, I have always had that sort of interest in health and well-being and particularly around female health. Well, I think it's so important. And I think it doesn't matter if it's long-winded or whatever, because when it comes to women's health, I mean, nothing is long-winded. Everything is so quick. Okay, see at the doctors, like, you know, you're out the door. After you have a baby, you have one checkup postpartum while your baby's there every couple weeks. And women's health, despite, you know, 50% of our population being women, it's kind of a mystery. It's not the forefront of the medical community a lot of the time. And as a mom of two, and, you know, my youngest is just nearing her second birthday, I have felt so in the dark about my health for so much of this process from the second I got pregnant with my first until now nearing two years old with my second. I have felt in the dark, and I know that it continues. Like, you know, when my mom was going through menopause, she knew what was going on, but she was so in the dark for a lot of that. And it's kind of scary how little there is to be made available. It's like you really have to go searching. You really have to get on your doctors, on your healthcare professionals to get them to give you referrals and to show you how to get the information and get you checked out. And it is so incredibly frustrating. And Jacqueline, that's why I love accounts like yours and people like you because you're advocating for women to take control of their health and take control of their bodies. And I don't think like my mom's, she's really in working out. She's always been into fitness and exercising, but never understood, I don't think, the importance of it as she aged. And now she's starting to get into it again. The problem with that is that for, for women, for a long time, fitness has always been about being a certain dress size. Mm-hmm been about getting smaller it's been about the aesthetics um, which to me has really robbed women of understanding the real beneficial effect of exercise in terms of promoting long-term health it's a, an easy win isn't it to show these sort of before and after photographs these transformation photographs or drop a dress size or get your um you know your baby body back you know your mum body and all that terminology that narrative to me has really been a great disservice to women who are, are from for, for many women it's meant they've been completely put off fitness because it's very hard to lose weight it's very hard to achieve a certain aesthetic 
and it's a it's a li- lifetime process and I think that can be very demotivating and then it feels horrible and uncomfortable and sweaty and you're still not getting the result and you still you know you have a cake and then you feel guilty because there's all that food guilt and I think for all those reasons it's been a dreadful disservice to women because the real primary message we need to get across is the health benefits at every age but the long-term health benefit and avoiding um, a, a rapid decline during a, as we get older. But, but really at any age, as you know, as a, a mum with young children, your health is so important because if mum isn't well, who looks after the children? I'm sure your husband does his part as well. But, well, he, but, you know, he's, think, good, he's fine, but yeah. it's. But we do feel so responsible, don't we? We do feel like, that's how I felt with my first son, that his life was literally depended on mine and me being fit and well. So at every life phase for women, for me, it's very much the narrative we need to get out there and in not in a dictatorial way, but really helping people understand the real benefits of exercise. And you don't have to kill yourself doing it. You don't, you know, it's, it doesn't have to be high intensity. It doesn't have to be unbearably comfortable. If you want top athletic sporting performance, yeah, maybe you need to be pushing to those extremes. But for many people, we can achieve that and promote health with something that's a lot lower key. Well, I, th- I think it's so important. And, and along the lines of what you said, I remember like growing up and hearing phrases like Kate Moss famously said, nothing tastes as good as skinny feels. And there were times in my life when I was more concerned about it. And I thought that I was like, oh, do I want this cake? Mm, No, because I'm going to regret feeling bloated after or feeling not that skinny feeling after. And looking back, like it's so sick. And it's so sad. And I think you're so right that women are robbed of the benefits of working out because our sole focus is dropping sizes, losing weight, attaining a certain aesthetic that you might not be right for our bodies, probably isn't right for our bodies. I mean, who fits in that aesthetic, really? That's changing every five years as it is. Exactly. That's the other thing, isn't it? It's a moving, the goalposts are always moving. If you look back through history, what was the desired aesthetic is always changing. So whatever, you know, unless you happen to be living at the right time, the right shape for that particular decade or that year, you've had it basically. So, um, and obviously the body positivity movement has been really helpful from that as well. Uh, but yeah, that's that's for me, the focus is always trying to bring it back to health promotion and, and actually helping women enjoy fitness and physical activity, and feeling getting stronger and actually the numbers we're counting are the weights we're lifting and uh, you know, the mountain sessions we're managing to train for and, and the impact on the rest of our day. Those are the things I really try and promote and also making it accessible for everybody. I feel particularly this uh, as, as I get older now because I'm aware many women who were certainly in the UK, but women who went to um, school in the 70s, school PE for girls was a kind of torture. I don't know what it was like. <laughs> But it was horrendous. Well, you weren't, uh, you weren't at school in the 70s, were you? No. Well, you, you, you <laughs> but anyway, um, it was a kind of hell on earth. And when I talk to my own daughters, I don't think the experience has got an awful lot better. So there's this whole generation of women who've grown up hating 
PE, school PE, because it was a kind of torture. It was, you know, freezing cold changing rooms. It was made to sort of communal showers, probably the worst thing you can do to pubescent girls who are suddenly very conscious about their bodies. Cross-country running, which in the UK is another kind of torture and hell in the winter. So we've had this gender, and I, I talk, I have talked about this a lot previously. I always get hundreds of women say, oh my God, that was me. I hated school PE. And then because of that, they've been put off fitness for life. They, they've never really felt like, well, I hated it. It's, um, they've grown up and then it's been the whole diet culture thing and they've just grown up hating it. So I think it's really important for me, for my generation is also trying to make it very accessible because I want people to feel like you can get involved in it now. It's not too late and we can still make a difference. We can still support our health. Even if you've never liked it and you've thought fitness isn't for you, I promise you there's a way to work around this so that you actually start to think, actually, I quite enjoy this. Mm -hmm. This is not my idea of what fitness is or was. And what is fitness for you? Because it it does something different for everybody. For me personally, I start feeling really not cooped up, but I really feel like I'm my skin is crawling if I don't do something in a while. And my brain just starts to get so loud. And until I can go and get a sweat on and just focus on my breathing and focus on what I'm doing, everything can almost seem unbearable. So for me, it's like, yeah, I physically feel great after, but it's an outlet. Yeah, definitely. Sure. I think that's true for many people, isn't it? I mean, for me, the what well, I mean, I do all sorts of different things. So I do running and I do Pilates and I do circuit training and I do, but I absolutely love and adore strength training. And so certainly for women post-menopause, that is so, so important to promote bone health and strength and function and longevity. Because if we're missing strength training, you know, cardiovascular training is important for heart health, but if we're missing strength training, we're going to get accelerated muscle loss as we age and so and loss potential loss of function and osteoporosis obviously a real issue for women as they're getting older as well so I I love and adore that and I love that feeling of being strong and that has real carryover benefits for me in day-to-day -day life but like you as well I think and, and like many other women I think that is our time isn't it that when when we're exercising when we're involved in physical activity that can be stress busting it can be time out just for our own needs I find there's a lot of mental processing I do some of my best ideas have come out when I'm running on the beach and it's not that I've set out to think about something it's just that getting into that pace and that rhythm and suddenly you're sort of processing things almost like a meditation in many ways so I think there's multiple benefits although I'm always looking at the the sort of physical health benefits of it I'm aware that there's all these other benefits for, for people as they're exercising um, but for me my absolute passion is strength oh so okay how often do you work out so I'm active every day. So always trying to make this distinction for people because what we're trying to promote is physical activity every day. But that doesn't mean an absolute workout. I always say to people, if the very minimum you can do is go for a short walk, do that. So I'm physically active every day. I start my day. I either walk, run or cycle on the beach, which is literally outside my front door. Uh, and so I'm either getting proper cardiovascular activity like it's a run or I'm getting some low level cardiovascular activity because I'm walking. So I always do that. And then in terms of strength training, I'll strength train four or five times a week. 
um, in addition to that early morning walk or cycle or run or whatever it is. Um, but, you know, you don't have to do. I always kind of say that's my choice. That's what I do. It's my work as well. Mm-hmm. So obviously important to me. But I, I always try and get people to understand you actually, if you did two strength training sessions a week and you exercise, worked the whole body and you went around the different muscle groups and it could be 20 minutes, those sessions, that would be enough to promote health and strength and function so you know when people say how much do you do but you don't have to do what I do yeah it's been my lifestyle forever um but I recognize not everyone has got you know the time the means the motivation whatever to do that no that's it's funny too because like I think about my mom and I she loves working out but I remember when I was in I think university is when I started kind of like lifting weights and and whatnot and doing more than cardio because prior to that, like I said, it was all getting smaller and achieving that Kate Moss look. So it was only cardio. All the girls on my floor in university, we only ever did cardio because we're like, this is what's going to make us lose weight. And I remember when I first started getting into strength training, my mom was like, oh, yeah, but you don't want to gain too much muscle. And she she stayed away from strength training. She's now getting into it. But I want to talk about that misconception because you already mentioned and I want to dig into it more. The what it does for you, for your bones, for function and is, you know, out of cardio and strength training is one better than the other for women as they're aging? Well, that's that's a really difficult question. (laughs) Yes. The thing is, before we go through menopause, we have a lower risk of heart problems than men so that's why men more men than women have heart attacks before the age of sort of 50 after menopause we catch up with guys so we're at an equal risk so cardiovascular activity whether that's low level or higher level is really really important to promote cardiovascular health so we can't drop that so even if we're just you know we're going for a 20 minute walk every other day that's still important i would really like us to get away from the idea that as you've said cardiovascular activity is about dropping a dress size or losing weight and really like to put the emphasis back on the reason we do cardiovascular activity is yes some people love that adrenaline and getting more heart and feel like i'm really working hard that's fine if you get that sort of buzz from it but the real benefit of cardiovascular activity is to support heart health and that's that's the that's the thing so but then when we then if you say like i can't make don't make me do my daughter's forever saying like would you rather be a giraffe or a zebra and it's just like this is a stupid question <laughs> but I feel like this is this isn't a stupid question but it's okay it's okay and she's a grown-up as well she's not a child <laughs> these are the sort of ridiculous questions at me. so I you know it's really really important for strength training strength training promotes bone density and and the retention of bone density because lose bone again we lose bone density rapidly after menopause our peak bone density is in around about 30 and then it's tailing off and it's always on a downward trajectory so everything we can do so anyone listening to this who's under 30 get your strength training in now because by the time you reach 30 it's never going to be better than that then then it's going to go downward so that's why it's just so valuable to do that strength training because it promotes when muscles pulling on bone it promotes that um sort of bone density that retaining our bone density 
but it's also promoting strength in our muscles, that muscle, muscle loss. Again, when we're not using our muscles, we tend to lose muscle mass with each year. We lose strength and power in the muscles. And, you know, whilst not everybody wants to be a runner or do the things that they think muscles help us do, just getting in and out of a bath or up and down the stairs or in and out of a car or in and out of a settee or a chair all those things require our muscles to work. Reaching up into a cupboard, getting something heavy. I think always think about Christmas, you know, getting the turkey out of the oven. All, all these things rely on us having strength and function. And when our, when our muscles start to uh, decrease in size and volume and strength, and when we start to lose bone density, that's when we can then flip into this spiral of physical decline. Because if we, if we lose our balance, we fall over, we break a bone, it, you know, it just becomes accelerated aging. So that's, sorry, was that a bit of a long answer? No, 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 are... no. This is, it's also good. And honestly, it's making me think of the people that I know that have gone through these. So I don't have any grandmothers anymore, but one, my father's mom, she used to, she was so active. Like she'd walk five miles a, miles a day in her 80s. And she was just so great. She did everything on her own. Then my granny, my mom's mom, she had gotten she had a lot of health issues she ended up in a wheelchair and then her husband did everything for her when he passed she started doing more for herself and she regained like her ability to walk and to lift things up but it still it never matched the ability that my other grandmother had because she had just never stopped going like she'd walk down to our house to visit us you know as old like as teenagers and stuff and it, it was amazing and it really does su make a such difference but you don't think about starting now in your 30s and like I even think of ways that my body has changed just since giving birth and things that my muscles have done that I wasn't expecting but like my ass Jacqueline has shrunk so much because in a bad way because I used to work on it so much I used to do a lot of leg strength training my legs are now like freaking noodles and my butt went from being this like muscular thing that I could probably pull a truck behind me to just being this kind of deflated whatever you know and, and then that's just what it is and I know that mothers themselves too like the way we stand and hold our babies that all has an impact yeah, absolutely. Posture, alignment, back pain, pelvic, you know, the rehabilitation from pregnancy and childbirth, regardless of what method of birth, you know, regardless of whether you've had a cesarean or um, a natural delivery, all these things take toll on the body. And this is why, you know, that postnatal recovery is so important as well. And, you know, I, but you are so young, you can get, you know, that, yeah. that muscle volume and everything you can build again and it's really difficult when we've got young children as well finding that time you know my training has evolved and changed over years I've always trained but there's certainly been times when I haven't been able to do as much as I would like to do modify decrease it we're always going to have those times in our lives aren't we but I think it's good if we don't lose it completely um, we've managed to and I always something I talk to my clients about as well it's like what when we come back to maintenance what could we do as a minimum in times where particularly sort of my age group you know some very much a sandwich generation now with older children who are perhaps still dependent 
but also very many women in my age are now becoming carers. You know, they've got uh, older parents um, who need more care. So we're kind of stuck in the middle here. So there's all sorts of times in our lives when we can't do as much to look after our own health as we would like to, for sure. But I like how you frame it and like as the importance for looking out for our own health is for the people around us, for our partner, for our kids, for our parents even, because that was very much you know, something that my husband Shane and I took into consideration when we were having kids. We're like, all right, let's get fit. Let's get healthy. We want to give ourselves the best chance at being healthy for our kids and living a long time for them, to enjoy time with them, to be helpful to them. And it was funny because when I was in my ninth month of pregnancy with my first Shane started like really working out every day and he was playing basketball for a couple hours every day, just really trying to get to his peak health. And then he ended up going to go to pot when you get sleepless nights. Jackie, he broke his ankle two weeks oh or one week before I gave birth. So oh, was in a big goodness. cast, can't freaking do anything. So I'm, you know, doing way more. It was brutal. It was brutal. But, you know, you talk about optimal aging and wanting to get healthy enough so that you can get to this place of optimal aging. Now, what is that? How would you define that? So, uh, I mean, I don't know uh, kind of what your health statistics are, but we know in the UK, for example, that we've got a, a big disparity between uh, sort of how long people live for and how long people live a healthy life for so it's life expectancy versus healthy life expectancy so in the UK for example life expectancy for women is around about the age of 83 84 but healthy life expectancy is 64 so we have a 20-year gap where women are tumbling through deteriorating health um, and what we're talking about, when we talk about an optimal aging, it sounds a bit elitist. So I prefer to think like healthier aging, but, but you know, it's, it's very difficult. You don't want people to feel like, well, I can't do that because yeah. I've already something. But if we think about look, sort of a downward trajectory, which unfortunately we are all deteriorating actually from our 20s and 30s onwards. And that's in terms of our cardiovascular health, our, our, you know, our bone health, these things are going down. But what we're trying to do is narrow that gap so that if we're going to live to our mid 80s, we live as much of those last few years in good health. And we don't cross something that's referred to various terms in the UK, but the disability threshold or the ability threshold, because when we cross that, that's when we then might need assistance or care for daily functions, all the rest of it. And what we're trying to do is stay above that line so that we can continue to live independently and do all the things that we might like to do on a day-to-day -day basis without assistance for as long as possible and preferably until the day we die. So the things that promote that optimal aging are the things that we kind of know, you know, a good diet, a nutritious diet, stress management, um, you know, adequate stress management, sleep, prioritizing sleep. And then we come into the physical things that we need to do. So cardiovascular activity, whatever that looks like for, for, for you, the person, um, and the strength and conditioning and balance and flexibility, all those things, if we're doing all those things, that promotes 
notes, it doesn't, it's not risk-free, you know, it's not a guarantee. Um, we will be at increased risk of developing illnesses and conditions as we get older. But it's even recognizing that if even if we do, um, there are ways to work around that. For example, I've got um, osteoarthritis in my knees. And, you know, that very often people get a diagnosis like that and feel like, well, that's it. You know, I can't do anything. And that's why it's so important to sort of change the narrative and go, OK, well, we, someone has that or they have high blood pressure or they have diabetes. And, and what can we do to work around that? Or they uh, I don't know, there's 101 mm -hmm. different things. Isn't there? But I, I think as much as anything, we look at the Paralympics, it kind of shows you the amazing things that people can do even under very challenging circumstances and when i talk to people on a one-to-one -one basis i always say it's being the healthiest version for yourself someone you know someone who hasn't got osteoarthritis for example may feel that you know their, their healthier their healthiest version of them might feel like it's a lot more superior than mine that's absolutely fine we're looking at or likewise, someone might go, well, I don't, I can't do everything that you can do, so I'm not very healthy. That's not weird at all. We're not kind of trying to compare with other people. We're trying to do what can we do to promote our own health for as long as possible? And what would that do? Even if I'm I'm immobile, if you know, if I I'm, I can't really, I'm not very stable, I can't get up to my feet a lot. I've had clients like this, obviously, or or we have um uh, visual impairment or there, there's something else going on what could we do that would still promote health in terms of what would be safe activity movement strength and so on and you know you mentioned you know after our 20s and 30s we're all deteriorating i i know that but it's still it still is a hard pill to swallow and it's still kind of scary and everything with aging and you know it's something i like to talk about a lot but I think all of it can be almost overwhelming in a way in trying to come to terms with things and trying to age in a way and approach aging in a way that still makes you feel like you and makes you feel good. And I want to ask you, you know, as a very fit person, as somebody who obviously prioritizes her health and wellness, do you ever get scared about aging or have you ever had difficulty kind of accepting it, like when you got your knee diagnosis anything like that I think the thing is it's, it's empowering to know what you can do for yourself so because I understand a lot around the mechanisms of aging and the things that are likely to accelerate aging and the things that are likely to slow down that physical deterioration, I, it's, it feels less scary. I felt a bit like that with when, when I was teaching antenatal classes as well. You know, it's empowering to know, understand as much as you could about childbirth and the different things that might come and to make some decisions for yourself. I had ho home births with three of mine. And that, you know, that felt like quite an empowering decision to make because I understood a lot about it. I knew about the risks versus benefits and all the rest of it. So I feel like when actually it was fairly recently I had the knee diagnosis and I remember the uh, consultant because it actually was very long ago, so a few months ago, who said to me, you'll need some time to process. He said, what did you think it was? I had an MRI scan. He said, what did you think it was? And I said, osteoarthritis. And he said, <laughs> Yeah, he said, you'll probably need some time to process that information. And I thought, no, I don't. But anyway, so I went home and I thought, OK, osteoarthritis, what do I know about osteoarthritis? Yeah, it's fine. I, you know, I deal with that. I just have to adapt and modify as necessary. And I guess, yeah, so I don't know that anything is really, I had recently had um, 
a colonoscopy because I was really worried about some bowel, bowel health issues, uh, which has actually been fine. I guess that's probably that is very recent because that was last week, and that did make me think, oh gosh, well, what if they find something terrible and I'm, I'm actually going to die now instead of being healthy? And everyone's going to think I'm such a liar because I've been promoting <laughs> and here I am. Oh, Oh, there you are. She was ill after all. But so I think we kind of do have to make peace with knowing that we are going to die. Mm-hmm. Also, understanding what can we do to influence the quality of our life as we're getting older, and that really about it. I want to be able to continue to enjoy to do all the things I can, enjoy my children, enjoy my grandchildren. Um, I don't want to be a burden on my family. I don't want to be a burden on society. Um, and I just, to me, that's just really important. All right, Jacqueline, we're going to take a quick break and let our listeners know who we're supported by. We are supported by the Miku Pro Smart Baby Monitor. This is the most accurate sleep and breathing monitor that you can get your hands on. Why? Why? Because there's no physical contact that it's making with your baby. I need to put that out first. And if you're confused about what that means, like why is well, the monitor? Well, you phrase that odd. Well, I don't know how else to say it. No physical contact making with your baby. <laughs> yeah, it's not going to touch your baby because sometimes there's a sock or what uh, else? A chest they, strap. A chest strap. Sometimes it's, it's like a dumbbell they put on your kid. <laughs> there's weird stuff. And they all attach to your baby to then monitor the breathing and the vitals and everything. But the Miku Pro Smart Baby Monitor uses sensor fusion technology. So it's a military-grade technology. Obviously. Obviously. And it works with your smartphone to alert you of changes to your baby's vitals and nursery conditions. And I watched, like, I was doing so much research before I got the Miku. And I watched a video of some, like, military dad comparing all these different monitors. It was not sponsored by anybody. And the Miku Monitor alerted the parents to a baby-stopping breathing, like, full seconds before the other monitors. It was amazing. Wow. It was super amazing. So it could really be put, life-saving. It could be life-saving. It really put me at ease. And there's also crypto security. Do you know what that means? I don't know. What's it mean for the I'm baby? not an intelligent man. All I know is if it says crypto security, it sounds really good. It is because it is. You know, there's no hacking. Crypto security means that hackers cannot spy on your baby because did you know that happens? I know there's people like, not to throw Bill Gates' name out there, but there's people as smart as him who can probably figure out how to spy on your baby. It's pretty freaky. You cannot do that with the Miku Pro Smart Baby Monitor. It's pretty amazing. The monitor then goes on to offer things that you want in a monitor, and they don't all have. That's just really good HD photo and video. Great night vision, like you can see so clearly at night. There's also custom dual Ole Wolf speakers and a two-way microphone, which means that Miku not only plays original sleep sounds and lullabies, but allows you to talk to and comfort your baby when they get upset. It's really nice. So you can check it out at MikuCare.com. And if you use the promo code Family Tree 10, not this family tree, just Family Tree 10. You're getting 10% off. This offer is available in the US only. And again, that is MikuCare.com and Family Tree 10. But we are also supported by Mini Miosh, a premium, organic, ethically made, and sustainable clothing company founded and created in Toronto. Mini Miosh believes in quality over quantity, and they make the best basics. For your littles, I'm talking fashionable wardrobe staples that are soft, comfortable, and timeless, and can be passed from kid to kid regardless of their gender. I think we own more Mini Miyash clothing than anything else. We, it's pretty we, much all Lucy wears. Yeah, no, we do. She's brand loyal. Say what you will about Lucy, but she's brand loyal. 
<laughs> I like the idea that people are saying things. I want to know what they're saying. But one reason that we are loyal to Mini Miosh is because their organic cotton fabrics are knit and dyed locally using GOTS certified organic cotton and low impact non-toxic dyes. But guys, Mini Miosh isn't just making clothes for the babes anymore. Yes, well, they are. Leo, if you're the calling older me babes like women... I'll take that. They have a women's collection out. So this is their M and West collection. Again, it's simple quality outfits uh, made of French terry. Everything is ethical and sustainable. You know that their workers, every level up, are making a livable wage. Mini Miosh is on a mission to leave the planet better off for our little ones than when they arrived on it. And they believe that every little bit counts. So you can find the company online at minimiosh.com or at minimiosh on Instagram and Facebook. And if you use the promo code thisfamilytree15, you're getting 15% off your order. It's available in Canada and the US. And guys, you're gonna love the women's collection. You're gonna love the children's collections. And this promo code is a one-time use promo code. Stock up. Load up your cart. You will not regret it. Again, that is minimiosh.com and thisfamilytree15. And now let's get back to our interview. I, I think you know, kind of embracing aging and taking it on and taking on each problem as it comes and saying, okay, well, you know what, if this is going on with my knees, and like I, I have lupus um, autoimmune, so I, I already have arthritis, but then it's saying, okay, I'm going to pivot and what can I do now that's going to help me out and help me embrace just this new change? And I think aging gracefully, I think is a stupid term because yeah. like, what is graceful what exactly. how can we define how can we define that but i think just embracing aging taking the graceful out of there and embracing aging is so important and you know i'm interested in your take on the whole culture that you know it starts as young as women in their 20s that are trying to make signs of aging go away so I talk about Botox and cosmetic surgeries and whatnot quite often. My followers, not everybody agrees with me. A lot of them definitely don't. But I think it's such a good conversation to have. I think we draw personal lines at different places. One person's line is not better than the next. My line is, I mean, at this point in my life, I want to try to say no to anything that will cosmetically prevent me from aging, not cosmetic, I wear makeup, but medically, medical cosmetics, you know, and injections. Personally going to say no to those things because I don't want to erase permanently signs of aging and things like that. And I want to try to embrace it. One of my best friends gets all those things and that's how she embraces her changing body. That's fine. And I'm curious for your take on that and where you draw your personal lines. Well, I think is I think if we go let's take a step back from that and question why are why do women feel the need to do this and what has society been telling women forever to look young and hot exactly um, and also like the worst I don't know where you are but it's sort of in the UK about the worst insult you could give someone is call them an old woman you know it's quite a term of um an insult to a man a young man if you called him an old woman it's oh my gosh that's the worst thing you could possibly be called so to be old and to be a woman and certainly gendered ageism is a real issue um again i don't know like your broadcasters and all the rest of it but whilst we see 
men in their 50s and 60s presenting the news, whatever, in the UK, and they're allowed to be grey, and they're allowed to have wrinkles, and they're allowed to... Aging like a fine wine is how they're described, right? It's, oh, look at this person, Brad Pitt, aging like a fine wine. Yeah, exactly. And if the women are still working in the public eye, because that's another matter... You know, they're certainly still feeling the pressure to have their hair coloured and try to, you know, look as young as they and youthful as they can because we've had that whole culture in society about worship, worshipping youth and actually getting older is awful and we need to disguise that. And I think partly if we understand the reason people have so feared getting older is because that fatalistic idea that we can't do anything about, about the, the things that we worry about, like being dependent, but about losing our mobility, becoming um, less able, because, you know, if we kind of understand a lot of that fear is this idea of what old looks like, which isn't how a lot of older people look for a start or behave. If we take away the idea of the nursing home and the the people who can't take themselves to the bathrooms and all the rest of it, uh, if we kind of, you know, challenge that concept and say, actually, if we do X, Y, and Z, that will promote a healthier life, then then we start to get to the root issues around why are women, why do women feel pressured to look younger? And if we can then challenge things in the workplace where, you know, making sure that women have still got equal opportunities, make sure there's not gendered ageism. We see that across the film and television industry, for example, you know, there's a lot of talk about Top Gun. Well, that's great. Tom yes. Cruise is back. What happened to, what, is it Kelly McGillis? You know, what it, it's an issue that I don't even know her name when the sequel yeah. to her movie is out. And it's, here's the other thing, just because you're on it. You know, I was reading articles about that because I saw the second Top Gun. And, you know, the woman they chose to be Jennifer Connelly, the love interest for Tom Cruise in this movie. She's like you know, older on the spectrum of aging, but she's still young and still hot and still fits in so perfectly with that male gaze standard of beauty. In some of these articles too, they try to find the pictures of the old love interest. I think Kelly, they'd find pictures of her, just the most unflattering pictures, like not even her on a good day or even a normal day. Like they went out of their way to really try to drive home. Thank you. <laughs> right. No, it's, it's, it is such bullshit. And we have a lot of friends in television, my oh. husband and I, uh, men and women. And it is wild to see how differently you get treated. So, then, so going back to your original question about where I draw the line, I think it's really important that women like myself are loud and proud and visible and that we get used to seeing, you know, I'd like to think when my daughters are my age, it's not, it's not a discussion you need to have anymore because there have been so many women before them in midlife and older who are, you know, following their careers and being loud and proud and they're not being age shamed and we haven't got those ageist attitudes and and that is a very different landscape for them. I'm not sure it's going to change as quick as that, but, you know, that's, to me, that's that's really important. And I think, it's a, so for me, drawing the line is, is, I think it's very much a personal issue. I would never criticise anyone. I stopped having my hair coloured about three years ago and it hasn't, just typical really, it hasn't gone neatly grey at all. But I would <laughs> Women like myself would have seen my father and grandfather out of business because they were ladies' hairdressers. So if everybody had their hair, they would not have been happy. I think it's very much an individual decision, but I'd like to think we reach a point where women don't feel that enormous pressure to look young, 
looking however you want to, embracing rainbow colored hair, whatever procedures, whatever you want, but they don't feel that they have no value as they're getting older, that they don't. And, you know, like, like yeah, I'm really concerned. My daughter, who's in her early 20s, when they talk, and my son, who's 19, when they talk about how many peers they've got friends and people they know of their age girls having lip fillers and all the rest of it and I, I think gosh you are you're so beautiful you're, you're so young why are you <laughs> I know. Well, there's a medical spa close by where I live and I follow them on Instagram because I used to get like six years ago I used to go and get eyelashes done only lasted for about six months but I was still following them and now I'm following them for a totally different reason. It's because I'm just so fascinated by how they market female empowerment. So they market empowerment and feminism as life is short. You want the lip filler? Get the lip filler. Feel confident. But then it's chasing a confidence that you can't attain without the help from the outside and not looking for it from within. And then it's like confidence that also puts money in their pocket. And it's, yeah, and it's frustrating because they have recently started, I'd say in the last year or so, marketing to younger and younger women. So now they're putting out ads every couple of days that are saying, hey, did you know that wrinkles start forming in your early 20s? It's never too late for prevention and trying to get women in their 20s to come in for Botox and cheek filler, under eye filler, lip filler hand filler and uh, vulva filler were two things that I found interesting also this year posted by the same group. And that is scary. I think that's the, that's what I have a problem with is that narrative that and that pressure for, and obviously that's just one particular company, but that's, I mean, I, I don't, I'm contacted by lots of brands, I'm sure you as well, but the minute I see anti-aging in their marketing, I'm like, no, I'm not going near that. If we're talking about promoting, you know, look, looking the best for you and things that are going to support your skin and all the rest of it, it's fine. But if you're going to go out of your weight and use anti-aging as your marketing, then we're about pro-aging. And Really, a, a, a much more, if we, we take away that superficial level, come back to the real important messages there is about supporting people to be healthy and not to fear aging. And, you know, we, if we're just dealing with the cosmetic stuff, we're not actually addressing the things that are going to really help us as we get older. And this superficial stuff is really not going to help us get out of bed or get to the bathroom and all the rest of it. So, that's why I just think like it, it's really good to promote all the things that we can do be you know show that out there talk about it and also you know be be let's let's see we, I want to see women in their 70s and 80s in the gym deadlifting because that that encourages me you know that's my vision for myself in 20 30 years time and so I hope that the women like myself who are in their late 50s early 60s who are on active on Instagram, whatever, and showing training. And I hope that inspires the younger girls who are really into their training in their 20s and 30s and going, oh, it doesn't all have to end. Look, you know, I can still, and I get do get, although my majority of my followers are sort of midlife, I do get an awful lot of younger girls contact me and say, I was so worried about aging. I've really had this fear about aging. Yeah, you're making me feel like it could be a little bit different and that maybe I don't need to do that. Or I've, I've showed my mother your account and now she feels like she can do this or this. And I think that's wonderful. That's what I'm trying to promote. I don't want to take the 
the revenue away from the beauty industry. I want to get people active. No, so happily take that go, revenue. Do you know what? I'm going to buy a pair of weights and do some training at home and go, yes, that's it. Mission accomplished. Well, my favorite two accounts for pro-aging and feeling confident. Again, you guys make aging look amazing. Uh, you and Paulina Porskova. Oh, Paulina, yeah. Like, yeah. just wonderful. I, just, I love her attitude as well. She's just, yes. So, I mean, she does what I, I never actually post who has sent me the messages like she gets the messages. I never, I might put them on stories, but I always obscure names. And I just, like, there is a reason I do it is to like highlight the problem with ageism, why, you know, we have so, such a, an anti midlife older woman narrative going on why we need to challenge it so that's why but she's like full-on feisty isn't she she shares it she puts the layer on there she says that's like, oh my gosh oh my gosh there's a fight going on here but i love that and when you know something about her background you understand where that feisty mm-hmm. that take no prisoners uh, attitude comes from and I just love that about her I completely agree yeah no and and I think that there needs to be a level of that take no prisoners feistiness I mean you know if we're expected to go and just hide in a hole and be away from everybody's sight and oh my god don't let that woman over 50 years old wear short shorts how dare she it's it's time to get away from that and it is time I think to fight back to some degree like what you're doing like what Paulina's doing. I think what you're saying about short shorts, that was the first time I really got the sense of just how bad ageism was for myself. So you were, just for listeners who don't know, you wore short shorts like in a workout video and somebody commented on them. No, no, no. This was, it wasn't actually a workout video. It was actually like a trending audio. It was a country music song. And I just did the dance to that. And I just used the dance to put with some words and say, you know, 50 isn't the new 20 or 30 and like what we can do to promote ageing. And that was the point of the video. But because it was a sort of country music song and we've got, a weirdly, we've got a, <laughs> we've got a shed in the garden that looks like a barn. And so I kind of had, I had denim shorts on, I had boots on, I had a mock cowboy hat, check shirt. And I did it to that because it kind of went with the audio. It went with mm. the look. And oh my gosh, the internet went into meltdown about this. And um, this viral reel got to 11 million views in a very short time. And, but I, I mean, I had lots and lots of positive comments, but I had a whole heap of comments that were so ageist. It was like, as soon as people had read, you know, they'd looked at it, but then as soon as they realized I was 58 when I made the reel, it was like, oh my God, you're dressing like a teenager. You shouldn't be doing TikTok dances. You know, you're disgusting. You're you're the reason they're a child slave. So it's just some really ridiculous, but but an overwhelming thing around ageist comments about what you can and can't do at 58 in terms of dancing, being on social media, what you're wearing. And that just gave me just a fraction of what ageism, how ageism shows up in society. And although you could say they're not very important things, but as we go on, ageism can really impact people's health because if they feel like they're too old to do fitness or wear fitness clothing and go to a gym, um, if they get different treatment in a medical setting because they're old, if they're patronized, if they're not given the information to make informed choices, ageism has some really serious consequences. Although I could say I'm big enough and ugly enough to to laugh off these ridiculous comments, but it gives you an, a fraction of what, what people feel about age and 
you know, when we stereotype any group, when we treat them differently, when we treat people with prejudice, whether it's, you know, for whatever reason, that's not right. You know, everyone, everyone, everyone at whatever age should be able to access society, should be able to be involved in social media um, and shouldn't feel they're stereotyped or prejudiced because of their age. Mm-hmm. And Jacqueline, if somebody was wanting to start now, they're like, hey, gym has never been for me. You know, fitness has never been a priority, but I want to start. I want to embrace age and I want to live my life as healthfully as I can. Where would you, what advice would you give them just for starting out? Where to start? I always say like, you know, are you currently walking? And very often, because very often people have got a really big idea in their head, like it's got to be something really big and impressive. And I try and break it down to something really simple and the low hanging fruit and what feels achievable. So I always say like, could you, you know, if they're not doing any walking at all, I say, could you walk 10 minutes from your home and 10 minutes back again? Or if you're in a workplace, could you go out at lunchtime and go 10 minutes in one direction, 10 minutes back? That for most people is going to be the best part of a mile. And if we're doing a mile of moderate cardiovascular activity every day, that's going to go a long way to support heart so that's and very often people go oh that's not hard enough but if you're not doing any walking at all could you please just start with walking that'd be a really good you know that's going to help you with balance mobility your heart health um posture it's going to actually an awful lot of uh, money <laughs> but you know the, the, um, the benefits from something so small um, and then we'd start to try and introduce some simple strength training so even things like you know from a from a chair get up, stand up and sit to the chair and do that 10 times. And could you do that a couple of times so that you're using all the strength in your lower body to to promote some muscular strength? It doesn't have to be going to the gym and picking up weights. When you're brushing your teeth, could you try just doing calf raises maybe? Or even could you try balancing? Could you try brushing your teeth while standing on one leg and that will challenge your balance? So there's lots of little things, easy ways that we could start to be a bit healthier if it comes to nutrition it could be like well do you cook anything fresh do you do anything yourself could you plan a meal and cook something from scratch even if it's just one day of the week could you do that what about your fluid intake you know how many coffees whatever are you drinking could we replace that cup of coffee at that time in the morning with a glass of water so I really try try and find out where people are currently at and then put the simplest change in and normally there might be one change that they do for a week and then we might add something else in on the second and something and I almost like it when people think it's ridiculously easy that it doesn't really feel like there's a but if they're doing nothing that's exactly what you want because in my experience many people overestimate what they can do and go like, well, I'm going to come and I want to get fit and I'm going to go to the gym every day. I'm going to do this. And I'm going to do that. And guess what? It ends up not happening because it's something that we might be able to sustain for a week or two. And then it just doesn't fit with our lifestyle and we get demotivated and it just doesn't work. So it's much better to start smaller and build from there until we've embedded some habits that work for us and, and build from and go from there, really. Absolutely. Thank you so much. And Jacqueline, where can people go to find you online, your socials, hire you if they live near you? Where where can people find you? Okay, so my website is Her Garden Gym. 
her garden gym. Uh, you'll find that Instagram handle as well. Uh, the reason it's called that is because I've got a personal training studio, which is backs into the garden, um, but I do online and face-to-face for people who live near me. So her garden gym is where they'll find me. Amazing. Well, Jacqueline, thank you so much for taking time today. I really, I appreciate conversations like this more than you know. Uh, I'm going to make sure my mom listens in as well. But truly, thank you so much for sharing so much today. I really appreciate it. Lovely. Thank you very much for inviting me. It's been wonderful to talk to you. Yeah, it's been so nice to meet you. All the best. Take care. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Well, that was a great job interviewing Jacqueline. Thank you. She was wonderful. Like, she is so good. That's exactly the kind of person that fills my cup these days. Fills those your kind, cup. Yeah, those kinds of conversations. I really glean so much from them. And I like, I appreciate that kind of stuff so much. Even though, like, we're at totally different phases in our life, I just, I take so much from it. Okay, but now it is time where Alex answers listener questions. It's called the mailbag segment. And Alex just pumped her fist like something really good happened. What happened? No, nothing. I'm just, it's the mailbag segment. I'm, I kind of like it. Oh, well, this better be good. What, what do you have, Alex? <laughs> what do you have? All right. <laughs> Sorry to follow that up with this question, but this person wants to know. This is a dad that follows, so I'm really excited to answer his questions. Because is this a goofball trying to do a jokey question off the top? I have a couple dads asking goofball dad questions, but no, this is not. He said, kid injuries. How early did Lucy or Betty get their first real boo-boos? Oh. So <clears throat> I was trying to think of that. Are you kidding? Lucy is one of the most significant boo-boos of all time. Well, Lucy's had several significant ones, though. The only one I can think of is smashing her head off this glass coffee table. Makes me want to vomit. Where it just split open, and it was that terrifying scream where no noise comes out, and then it all hits, and then the blood gushing, and she needed two or three stitches, and yeah, her skin just separated on her eyebrow. Her her head hit the corner of this glass countertop or um, coffee table so mm-hmm. hard. That I was surprised she was even conscious. I know. Because she, she fell off because she was jumping on the couch and slipped and just kagoosh, kadoosh is the noise I want to say. Well, her eyebrow was just hanging off at the front. It was well, you just really... made it sound way grosser than I did. <clears throat> yeah, I know. It, it was really disgusting, though, <laughs> thinking about it. it makes me want to vomit. But um, And Shane's not good with blood, and he was the one that was like beside her, like got to her first when it happened. I'm especially bad with my own child's blood. <laughs> yeah. And the eyebrow falling off, as you would describe. <laughs> um, but even before that, so that, okay, that incident happened at the beginning of this past daycare year. So when Lucy was like just about three and a half. However, there was a pretty significant boo-boo when she was just before she turned two. So she's starting to walk. She's starting to want to try running. And she's running up and down our driveway, trips over her own feet, slides face first on the concrete. Shane, that was a bad injury. Oh, that was injury. before Father's Day, right? Yeah. When her face was all messed up? So Lucy fell and her entire forehead over her eyebrows in the middle of her forehead and then down her entire nose, the entire top of her nose, the skin just got torn off. Like she chewed up her face. It looked awful. Yeah. Because it was red and bleeding, her whole face. And then it scabbed. And the scabs just make everything so big. And now she she still has scars. Like, you look at her nose and her forehead. And her nose is just one giant scar. Yeah. She's a pockmarked kid. She looks tough, though. <laughs> and she's got the eyebrow scar. 
got a scar she, here she on her tough. cheek. Yep. Whereas Betty's had some near misses, but most of the time where she gets injured is on her knees. She scrapes her knees. But Betty, I remember we were setting, we used to film this podcast and we used to have a lighting kit. And one day uh, the lighting kit was getting pretty rickety, but I put Betty down on the coffee table, mm-hmm. the same one where Lucy hurt herself years before. And the coffee, sorry, the lighting kit fell on the coffee table. Yeah, that was nice. And if I hadn't had moved Betty right before, we would have had to take her to the hospital and she would have been like very injured. So that, that was, was a near miss. That was really scary. And like, how could you have guessed that that would have happened? You know what I mean? It, it made a noise like it was going to fall. Mm-hmm. And then I moved it and saved her. Yeah, uh, that must have been, you know what? That would have been when you and I were doing an interview. No, it wasn't. It wasn't? No, Betty was just born. Oh, man. She That's was very wild. new to the world. That's nice. And we had to always have her around yeah. when we recorded remember there was like a three-week no, period yeah um yeah that's the exact same thing i have for betty not the light thing but just like the knee scraping like she's like chewed up her knees pretty good same reason from when lou chewed up her face you know just like being around two running around that kind of thing next question do you have any advice going from one to two kids our daughter will be three when the baby arrives so I've got some advice just from myself and then looked things up on the internet from experts who know better than me. But I want to know if you have anything to add to the points I'm going to say, Shane, and then if you have anything to yeah, add let's to let's hear end. your points. So first off, I got, I think this one's so crucial. Prep your partner, especially if you felt like you were more hands-on with just one kid because it is such a wake-up call because I feel like, when you have the second kid, there's a huge possibility that your partner is going to feel how you did when you had the first kid, mm-hmm. you know, losing lots of sleep, never having time to yourself, like always having to be there because it's one on one. You each have yeah. a child, especially if the parent chooses to, if the mother chooses to breastfeed, mm-hmm. because then you're not really doing the thing where the man's going in with the bottle and feeding I guess you could pump, but you never did that. Yeah. So then it was like I always had a kid mm-hmm. with me, and I wasn't used to always having to be in charge of the kid because you were mostly handling that and doing all the nighttime stuff and whatnot. Yeah, and I wore the carriers during the day. Like I just always was baby carrying. It was just a very mom yeah. and baby situation. Yeah, because I couldn't figure out how to put the carrier on, and then that <laughs> that we what's the term for that again? When you're baby wearing? No. When oh, you're, oh, incompetence. Um <laughs> <laughs> that? Yeah, but no, but there's yes, incompetence is what it is, but there's a word that's more like toxic. Weaponized incompetence. Weaponized incompetence because I'm not putting in the two cents of effort it takes to learn how to put the thing on. And you weren't you would just roll your eyes and just wear the baby. Mm-hmm. And that was and then there you don't have that luxury. When there's two kids, one per- one person always has to be doing something. Yeah. So if yeah. I had to do it again with the first child, I would step up in, a, <laughs> in another era. I might say man up, but that is sexist. So I won't it say is. that, yeah. but I will step up. Good. I'll woman up because like you did, Alex, Thank with you. our first child. And, you know, I just, you, you're, you got to be present. You should be present as the dad more than you think you should be. And, th- and then with the second one, be prepared to be overwhelmed so you're not overwhelmed. 
Yeah. No, I think I think that's really good. Uh, the next point I had was when the baby comes, do at least, you know, the 10-minute miracle we talk about all the time, do at least 10 minutes solo, one-on-one, no phone, no screens, no other person in the room with your older kid. Make them feel loved because it's such, like, it's a stressful time, especially if your kid's a toddler, like two or three years old. It's a stressful time anyway, stressful age, emotional age. Then you have a baby coming in here, their lives getting turned upside down. They have to share their parents. Like, that's hard shit. That's hard to go through. Give them a little bit of time every day goes such a long way. Like, totally undistracted. You're going to give them lots of time in the day, but give them 10 minutes of totally undisturbed time. And film them meeting each other for the first time. Yes. I think that's very cute. And do we still have that video? Like, is it on your Instagram? I was watching it. A couple days ago. Is it on your Instagram? Yeah, it's under my postpartum highlight, I think. Yeah. For Betty. Is it? Mm-hmm. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. If it's not, I'll put it up there, but it should be. You know where it is to find it, though? Yeah, I was I was watching it at Betty's birthday last week. Oh, cool. Mm-hmm. Uh, my next point is not a point. Uh, the next thing I wrote down is just a statement. You're going to get knocked on your ass and then be in like a very blissful, happy place so many times in a day it's just gonna be like a roller coaster like you're gonna get knocked on your ass from the difficulty of having two kids and the chaos and then you are gonna be so overwhelmed by the beauty of it all so many times in a day too so again just that you're like prepare yourself i guess just for an emotional and like a physically exhausting roller coaster right is there as much beauty the second time around as there was the first? Oh, my God. Yeah. Are you kidding me? And especially seeing the kids interact, there's more beauty. Whew. When I see the kids interaction. Oh, now. Yeah. No, but even when they're babies and like when Lucy would go up and, you know, when she wasn't tantruming because she did go through a thing, when she'd go up and be really sweet to Betty, like that was just Few and so far between. Yeah. It was so heartwarming. I'm kidding. And then the last thing I have is just to learn how to prioritize and not only prioritize the things that you need to do, but the things that you can say, all right, this is a priority for getting off my list because I can live without it. And you just have to be a good freaking decision maker. Next question. Who has the better Jerry Seinfeld impression? Uh, Everyone's got one. Let's hear yours. Well, whose do you think is better, yours or mine? Probably mine. My vote is that yours is probably better. Let's hear yours first. Only because I, I, I'm a man, so I have an advantage to doing a male imitation. What's the deal with podcasts? <laughs> all you're doing is talking. Why record it? We're all talking all the time anyway. Just have a conversation. <laughs> What's the deal with... Sorry, I'm having a hard time. <laughs> Wait, it's Jerry Seinfeld, right? Like from the show Seinfeld. <laughs> hold on, hold on, hold on. You know who we're talking about. Don't though, right? look at me. Just close your eyes. Okay. Close your eyes. What? <laughs> What's the deal? <laughs> I don't know. That's to, like ridiculous. I, I don't know how to do this with my voice. I, in my head, I was like, I'm going to be really good. And if I say Shane's better, I'm going to come into the show and uh, surprise everybody, including myself, with how much better I am. But it's actually really hard to do my voice like that. What's... What's... 
No, that's that's a, that's bad. How like, do you do it? How do you do it? What are you doing with your did voice? Did I do it good? Give me a note. You're a television man. Give me a note. I don't know. I'm just trying to sound like Jerry. Like, what's what? the deal with? No, just like, what's the deal <laughs> with airline food? What's? Okay, we, you're hopeless. All right, I'm hopeless. This is actually shocking to me because, again, in my head, I was uh, Wait, doing that's a- the voice you have. And you thought that you might have a Jerry inside you? <laughs> yeah, babe. What's the deal with podcasts? That's weird. You're putting in like a Muppet voice. You, your regular voice sounds more like Jerry. Okay, here's the thing. What? Okay. Try not to do a voice. Okay. Be you, but change just the uh, inflection and tonality a little bit. Like, What's the deal with podcasts? I mean. That's better. You're just talking about it. Why don't you just... Okay, getting worse. It's fine. The first thing was fine. <laughs> okay. okay, let's... All right, next question. Shane wins that one. Give me a better one next week, guys. Do you feel like your relationship is 50-50 when it comes to domestic labor? That so sounds intense. Domestic labor. Yeah, so it, this is only chores and things within the home. And no... It's not, but... I don't do that much more than you. (laughs) What? I don't. Get out of here. Give yourself... Cut yourself some slack. Shane. So you can't... (laughs) You can't measure yourself up by statements like this. So like... That's what I was going to say. We all... And I mean, I say this too. Like, is there a proper division of labor within the household? But I think that when I talk about that, and I think that when... A lot of people generally talking talk about it. It's is there a proper division of labor, an equitable division of labor in the household when you consider everything that you both need to do within a day? So I need you to be my lawyer whenever we're having an argument about this. I'm just going to play this. <laughs> what is equitable labor? People? What is the deal with equitable <laughs> labor? Is that better? Yeah, way better, way okay, better. Cool. I don't. What the hell you were doing before is ridiculous. It was In hard fact, to, I almost want Erica to edit it out. But. It was hard to get to this point. Um, so it's like Shane is working super long hours with his job right now. That job is hopefully going to be very beneficial to the family. Where are these hours going? <laughs> I don't know. It's good. Okay, keep going. So, so while he's doing that, I'm picking up on the child rearing and like just that like Shane has very little to no mental load when it comes to what needs to be done with the kids and in the house like you're Shane admittedly you don't ever have to think about dinner or what to pack Lucy in her bag or whatnot right because I do that that's my job right but Shane and I are working an equal amount of hours in the day and the entire time that Shane's busy I'm busy and vice versa so if I ever kind of get in my head like oh maybe I think I'm doing more and kind of get my back up but I'm like no Shane is doing so freaking much just different stuff and we like if he you know finishes work and comes in with the kids then he's helping out with the kids the second he's done and we're doing that until bedtime so there's it's totally 50 50 in our house but not you you couldn't it all adds up to 50 50 yeah i'm never just on the weekends too i'm 
Mm-hmm. I'd say on the weekends it's 50 50. 100 it is yeah so one yeah 250s yeah 100 <laughs> but uh and that's one thing that I feel like people get caught up in when it comes to parenting and like how they work and deal with things with their spouse I remember when I was like yeah, I don't know six months postpartum with Lucy I had a friend talking about how you know her husband and her would share they'd split the nights that they'd go in to feed the baby. So like Monday was her night and then Tuesday was her husband's night. So every time the baby woke up, he'd go in with a bottle. And then I was listening and I was like, man, Shane doesn't help me. But we talked about earlier in this episode, Shane brought it up. I made the choice to exclusively breastfeed. I didn't pump. I didn't bottle feed. I didn't do any of that. That was my choice. The so choice then I stood by. <laughs> I do stand by that. But then he'd help me out in the mornings, right? And he'd get up with the baby and take her for as long as I needed to while I slept. And that was really helpful. And we made it work in different ways. So it's like I was getting upset at a situation that I chose and actually preferred just because I was comparing myself with somebody else. But I think if we get out of that mindset and say, okay, what comes down our family? How does it work the best? How does it work the best with our marriage, our relationship, whatever? That's all you got to focus on. Yeah. Uh, next question. If you could have one quality of Shane's, what would it be and vice versa? My throat needs a break from talking. You tell me first. Hey, wait. <laughs> you asked me if I could have one quality of Shane's. No, and vice versa. Oh, so if you so you're have, vice. I'm versa. the vice versa. Okay. Alex's vocabulary. Uh, the way <laughs> she just will... She has all this stuff in her brain, and then she can just pull out a word seven years later. Um, no, okay. Quality of Alex is her ability to be social is good. I don't have that quality to be social. And uh, knowing her, you do have more qualities to me in feeling awkward in social situations than I would have ever thought not knowing you. But yeah, I like the way you behave socially. I like... You, you have a disposition that's sunny, like an instant sunny disposition. When you like go into a room, you make it brighter and I make it darker. So <laughs> it's better to brighten a room, I think. I don't know. I'm not a room expert, but I would say <laughs> people enjoy when you walk into a room more. I that's would love quality. your intensity. <laughs> I would because yeah. the way you can hyper focus on something, but not... Mm -hmm. Not in a way where you like you totally tune everything else out, but you do in just a way where you just get things done. You see results. I love that. I wish I could do that. It's so hard for me. It's so hard. I. Mm. It's so hard for me to focus on anything, even something I love. You know what I mean? I just can't. I What's can't. the easiest thing for you to focus on? Washing my hair. Really? <laughs> I'm not kidding. I know it sounds silly. Or no. doing doing a routine. Like if I'm doing a hair routine, like if I'm in the shower. Your face routine here is pretty good. Well, I can't focus on that. I have no patience for a face routine. Yeah, well, and, and that's what I mean. I can easily focus on a face routine. I think that's part of the reason why I love doing skincare regimen so much is because it's relaxing. I don't, it's, it's relaxing. I don't have to think about it. And it's easy for me to go through with it. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's like that with hair too. I put oils in do a whole washing process the next day. It feels good. I love it. I feel good getting out of it. Yeah, I need you to help me take the skin tags off my neck for the shoot. So you can buy stuff at shoppers. Not to digress <laughs> Sounds too like much. a romantic thing we could say oh, for I'm date night. I'm not saying it's romantic, but you know how I always like something to look forward to to keep us excited. <laughs> a little skin tag removal. 
what has been your most challenging parenting moment of late? Late? Just Lou realizing that she can stay up later mm. and, you know, fucking around and up there in her room doing God knows what and testing us at bedtime. Yeah. Lou used to go to bed probably an hour earlier than she does. So that, that's been difficult because then the moments you and I get to have where we can relax have has been shortened by an hour. Yeah. And that's that, that, that time can add up in a week and can come out in strange and mysterious passive aggressive ways. Oh, 100%. If I, if I don't get enough shanty boy time, I'm getting up on the bad side of the bed. I like right? this imitation. It's an unknown. It's more of a character that you put I'll on. Get up on the bad side of the bed. Bang. Not enough hanky panky for my schmoopy. Okay. <laughs> okay. Um, and should we do one more question? Sure. Okay. Would it bother you if your children had kids out of wedlock? So if with girls grow up, they have kids out of wedlock. So ultimately, it's something that like I wouldn't care about as time went on. But with anybody's kids, all we want for them is for life to be as easy as possible. Right. Without as many hoops to jump through, we just want them to have an easy, happy life. And I think if they're having kid out of outside of a marriage or outside of a loving relationship or a stable relationship, that's just something else that's hard that I just, you know, I'm sure like I'd be so supportive and I'd be there for them every step of the way. But I would love for them to avoid that just because, again, I want things to be easy and happy for them. Yeah. See, I think Lucy's a super genius. I'm one of those parents that think their kids <laughs> are like, so I pulled Lou on this high pedestal and I think she's going to figure out unique ways to make money. So I'm more scared of her getting married to somebody who's maybe unsavory mm. and then them getting divorced and someone taking her money. So relationship <laughs> the foundation of the relationship she's in is more important than anything else and it might be out of fashion to get married in the like you know some people don't want to some younger people think mm -hmm. owning a house is ridiculous and they just want to rent for the a rest of their lives a lot of people lives. now think marriage is ridiculous like young people like the gen z's that that's what i was equating it to mm -hmm. I, I started it that way you know yeah. saying that marriage might be out of fashion like the housing is and it already is, right? So for some people getting married. So yeah, it's so unimportant. But marriage represents, at least when you talk about it in this capacity, a solid relationship to us. So that's why some people might say, oh, I want my parent, my children to be married. Because it, what it represents is a f solid foundation. And that's all you want for your kids. Yeah. So. Yeah. So I don't, I don't like, again, be there for them every step of the way. It's not going to be a situation where it's like, you got pregnant out of my house gonna help them out gonna make the best out of any situation in life but hey i want life to be easy for me maybe it comes down to that too selfishly i want life to be easy also yep but i think that's totally fine to want and it to strive for an easy life you heard it here first easy life happy wife exactly <laughs> easy wife happy life yeah. <laughs> okay thank everyone thank everyone okay yeah <laughs> thanks everyone for listening to this, this family, family tree, tree podcast. podcast episode 136